First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. In my secular home of origin, my mother taught me that we serve the communities we are part of. And my father taught me that people are worth getting to know. They both believe that the world needs care, and it is up to us to provide that care. These values continue to be the cornerstones of my life. On my own, and with encouragement from my mom, I ventured into church and religion as a teenager. I joined the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at my school and became friends with other youth who were born-again Christians. I felt a sense of belonging and curiosity about this other way of seeing the world. I spent about six months exploring, eventually deciding it wasn't for me, and that the notion of only Christians would get to heaven just didn't work. The leap of faith required to fit wasn't going to happen. After that, I never expected to be part of a church. I had a good community of friends and was involved in my daughter's school PTA. I was giving back to my community, and I loved my family and friends. I didn't feel like anything was missing, and I certainly never imagined that church would fit into my life at all. But then life happened. I separated from my husband of years with a 12-year-old and a 2-year-old, Shattered sense of count on, I felt. Friendships that had felt solid started to slip. My colleagues at work were not enough. I fell down, needed somewhere else to go, some other place to call my own. First Marian became that place. Amy Betters Midvet says, everyone has a story. And if we don't ask, we won't know what it is. It's the opportunity to offer grace and understanding and love to our travelers on this planet. We will miss the opportunity to have a relationship with each other that will help us grow and become better of ourselves. I began to look for stories behind the people I met at church. In small group, I met Joe. Joe was in his 80s. I was maybe 40. And he talked to me about how it felt to be older, to become accepting and even welcoming the end of a long life. He said he could, have, he could not have imagined feeling that way when he was my age, but that he now understood feeling tired of living and being ready to go. When he passed away a couple of years later, I knew that he was fully and absolutely at peace. Jim was another man I first met at coffee hour. He was big and loud and not always neat. I didn't approach him. He seemed sort of not my type. But later, again in small group, I learned more about him. I learned to appreciate his big, hearty laugh and how much he'd worked to overcome years of depression. When I taught the neighboring faiths curriculum with fourth and fifth graders with Jim, as my co-teacher, I found a thoughtful, caring, and compassionate teacher inside him. 
over and over, story after story, in small groups or one-to-one, committee meetings or a glass of wine after a committee meeting, I've come to know hundreds of people through this church. And every one of us has a story. It's a story of what brought us here or what keeps us here. It's a story of where we've been hurt and where we've found healing. Sometimes the story has the church as a central, positive, and abiding force. And sometimes the story contains deep disappointment in the church. All of these stories are stories held in the hearts of those who carry them. When we are present to one another's stories, we are offered an opportunity to grow and become better versions of ourselves. There are times we do that with a lot of laughter. Anyone who's done a small group knows what I'm talking about. And sometimes we do it in tears. Same deal. Sometimes we, come be- we become better versions of ourselves when we say no to something that just doesn't feel right. And other times it happens when we say yes from the stillest place inside. Unitarian Universalism offers us this opportunity by its very principles and theology. Living into the first principle, to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of all, is very much work that helps us grow bigger hearts. I've told the coming-of-age youth for years that embracing the first principle is theology enough for me and contains in it a lifetime of work that will grow my heart. Our church is a community of people. That's the part that is both obvious and sometimes easily forgotten. Look around you right now. People, right? And every one of those people is here for a reason. They got up this morning and put on clothes and drove or walked or biked here, or they're sitting in with their pajamas on in front of the computer watching on Zoom. Either way, every one of us has something we're trying to figure out about life. Every one of us has some pain that sits inside us. Every one of us has a heart that is worth knowing, worth growing. And we are not just people, but people in community with one another. We are part of an interdependent web of relationships which spell church. We are children and adolescents. We are elders and mid-career workers. We are single, partnered, cis, gay, polyamorous, binary, non-binary, trans. We are all the possibilities of community, and we are here together. We are in it together. Our faith believes, as Jim Palmer says, that you naturally have the ability, capacity, tools, and skills to guide and direct your life meaningfully, ethically, and effectively. We look inside ourselves, and we look to one another. We ask each other questions about meaning, about purpose, about what matters enough in your life to put your life into it. We don't tell you what that is. We ask you. Unitarian Universalism asks you, what matters to you, and how are you able to grow what matters? Our faith has the ability to offer the kind of religion that grows our heart. Jim Palmer says, if you want to be more just, compassionate, and loving, 
you must do the work to free yourself from the conditions that lock you into injustice, cruelty, and hate. He believes a healthy religion can help us own the shadow side of ourselves and help us move toward a more compassionate heart, a bigger heart. I imagine it's finding ways to this that expand our capacity as a, to be a congregation that grows, serves, and loves, with a sense that we are doing it with our collective hearts wide open, that we are not caught up in fear, resentment, anxiety, and doubt, but seek to understand that and heal it in ourselves and among ourselves so that our church feels more joyful, more purposeful, more connected, more filled with busy hands in service to that bigger heart. There's so much possibility here. I see it when I see all your faces in front of me. I imagine each of us considering how we bring our own hands and heart into building this workshop of common endeavor, of offering radical welcome and love, of serving our church and wider community with inclusion and justice as core values, of committing committing to our own growth as individuals through relationships, study, honesty, accountability, and critique. For me, a bigger heart includes giving and receiving critical feedback. I had to grow into this. I used to be very reactive to criticism. Has anyone else raised your hand? Right? It's, it's not an easy, it's not easy. In my service to church and in my work with Amos, our, the uh, community organizing collective, which our church is part of, I have learned that when I'm open to hearing how I can improve my skills, my heart might get a bit bigger as a result. It is about learning to ask, how did I do? How did we do together? It means listening without defense to the answer and allowing space for growth to be possible. If I think I already have all the answers, if I am rigid in my beliefs about myself and others, I am shortchanging my own growth. New information can change me. I want it to. New ways of being can emerge. Many years ago, I co-led an ill-fated and naively undertaken effort to change the name of the church to first, mm-hmm, 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 <laughs> To First Unitarian Universalist Church of Des Moines, we thought it was a great idea that would breeze right through. That's not exactly how it went. <laughs> we held round tables to talk about the idea. We drafted a lovely document to, to be voted on at the annual meeting, but it wasn't embraced. In the process, my co-leader and I both took hits, with folks questioning our motives, fielding thoughts that this was a Unitarian Universalist Association attempt to force something upon us, to make, that we were doing their bidding, et cetera, et cetera. It was eye-opening, and to be honest, potentially heart-shrinking. When all this was happening, I was surprised and sad, too. I felt hurt personally. I was disappointed in my fellow church members, but I also heard them. And when the vote came down against the name change, I accepted it. I even felt it was the right decision, because I knew it wasn't going to be an enthusiastic yes, even if it passed. Better's Midfet says, 
We can look at people and see their anger and hear their words of rage and wonder what on earth is going on. Has that ever been you? It has been me. What on earth? And yet, in our very human community, we can learn how to be with that person who is feeling anger or disappointment. We can make space with kindness. We can see part of our work in this church is to serve one another by being present to the story that is right in front of us. And what if I'm the one who is angry? There's an opportunity for me there as well. Rather than bury myself in my feelings, thinking what on earth about the situation that has me riled up, could I also extend some compassion and kindness to whatever got me here? And if I can do that, maybe I can also find a way forward that brings me back to my own best self. My heart got bigger in that failed effort because I allowed it to do so. I listened to the congregation, and I filtered out what felt personal. I knew overall that the reasons to keep our name were not about me, after all. I knew that this was still my church, that I still had a home, and that I wanted to be part of what came next. As a church, our collective big heart can change when new information arrives, or we can refuse to accept that new way of seeing. As we move forward as a church, how do we stay open to new ways of seeing and being? How do we cultivate an open curiosity and not let fear, resentment, or anxiety keep us from leaning into what might be possible? How can we use change as a tool for growing? Today, when I think about the church and the church's heart becoming bigger, My thoughts turn to how we offer welcome and an invitation to belonging that is ongoing so that we each give and receive welcome every time we engage in our church community, not just the first time or the third time, but the hundredth time and every day. This giving and receiving is our heartbeat. Sometimes we feel it as strong and sometimes as faint. Sometimes as individuals, we are in need of receiving that welcome. We are searching for it. And sometimes we are in a place of being able to give it with joy. We are not alone in this. We are doing it always together. A much wiser member here many years ago showed me that growing a bigger heart is not something that's one and done. It's something I can keep working on all the days of my life. At 40, at 64, at 80, at 97. Our dear Florence Freddie, who passed away a few weeks ago at 100, was growing her heart till the very end. That is an opportunity for us all. May it be so. Thank mm-hmm. you.